Welcome back to the Magic the Gathering unofficial audiobooks podcast. Phil Dawson here and just stepping in to say Happy New Year. And I hope that this year is full of magic for you. I'm really looking forward to a big year personally. I turn 40. I'll have a business up and running, hopefully. I'm starting teaching at a university. My daughter's already changing my life. I got so much going on. And of course, you. My fellow planeswalkers, along for the ride, and I'm so grateful that you are here. In fact, we welcome one particular person to our patron list, Andrew O. Thank you so much for your kind message and listening along. It really does mean a lot, and obviously you don't have to be a patron to send your thoughts about the books or the uh, podcast. I really enjoy interacting with you, so feel free. Now, if you do want to support the show, like Andrew O. and Dr. Griffiths, you can. Head to Patreon.com and search my name, Phil Dawson, and you can support at any tier that you choose. Andrew is a content goblin, while Doc Griffiths is a content human. We have demons, angels, planeswalkers, and title sponsorship all available, so we'll see where that goes. I do hope you're enjoying book two. I'm excited for this chapter. I'm so eager to see what is going on in Urza's mind with this like wannabe Mishra, I've loved Rat's development over the last few chapters and seeing how he continues to evolve. And I feel we're due for some action soon, are we not? And I have to apologize as well. I get lost on the voices sometime, and I hope it doesn't throw you off. Uh, I'm still trying to lock them down. And I'm really not looking forward to when we get to, like, the invasion cycle and we have, like, 30 different characters. Yikes. But anyway, it's going to be fun, and I'm glad you're here. Once again, thank you. Let's go. Cold fog rolled down from the mountains. Zancha's fingers stiffened, and the rest of her grew clumsy. When she wasn't tripping over her feet, she dropped bundles and cursed loudly, not caring if she disturbed the two men on the other side of the wall. She didn't disturb them. Urza had a new audience for his tabletop. He wouldn't notice the world if it ended. And Ratpi? Ratpi was playing a dangerous game Zancha had told him to play, and playing it better than she dared hope. She'd all but told him not to pay any attention to her. She could hardly begrudge obedience or fail to notice that Urza's door was unwarded. She could have left the sacks where the sphere had scattered them. Ratby, Rat, Mishra would have defended her right to join them. Zancha was tempted to walk through the door, if only to hear what the young Effin would say, which, considering all that hung in the balance, was a selfish temptation. She resisted it until the last of the supplies was stowed in the pantry and the fog had matured into an ice-needle rain. Inside her room, with the shutters bolted against the chill, Zancha found herself too tired to sleep. Eyes open and empty, she lay on her bed, able to hear the sounds of the conversation beyond the wall without catching any of the words. She piled pillows atop her face, pulled the blankets tight, then threw everything aside. Before long, Zancha had wedged herself into the corner of the foot of her bed, with her knees tucked beneath her chin and a blanket draped over her head. Zancha tried to think of other things of her first conversation with Urza. There's a shelter at the bottom of the hill. Take me there. 
I'll show you the way to Phyrexia. Urza frowned. Zancha had rarely seen a face crease with displeasure. She expected his jaw to fall off to the ground, but her rescuer was flexible, a newt like herself, or one of the born folk about whom she knew very little. When his frown had sunk as much as it could, it rebounded and became a bitter laugh. She knew the meaning of that sound. It's the truth. I will show you the way. I will take you to Phyrexia, though it's only fair to tell you that Avengers stand guard around the fourth sphere ambulator fields and will be destroyed on the spot. It's gone. It's gotten away, her rescuer said, still laughing. The ambulator's nether end should be there unless you let that searcher get away. The diggers, they don't know how to roll an ambulator and the bearers can't. Zancha tried to rise and felt light-headed, felt light all over. It was not an unprecedented feeling. Every time she stepped into a new world, there were changes, a different texture to the air, a different color to the light, a different sense between her feet and the ground. She took a deep breath to confirm her suspicions. The hill and shelter are, are where I remember them, but I'm not at the place that I remember. Yes, my clever child, I brought you here, and I will take you back. The hill is there, but the shelter and this ambulator of which you speak, alas, is not. Zancha thought she understood. You drew the prime end through itself to bring me to this place? She hesitated, but this man who had rescued her deserved the truth. If you unanchored the ambulator, I don't know if I can take you to Phyrexia. I, I've seen the searcher priests set the stones for Phyrexia, but I've never set them myself. I don't know what our fate will be if I set them wrong, but... I'll go first. No, child, you will not go first, he said, grim and serious. Though you have every reason to condemn Phyrexia, you have become a traitor to them, and traitors can never be trusted, must never be trusted. Traitor. The word roused a hundred others from Zancha's dreams. She supposed it was a truthful word, though not as truthful as it would have been if she weren't a newt who'd never been completed. Insofar as kin pricked her conscience, it was safe to say that she had none. I was Orman Husra when you found me, second of the Dodgers. What is my position now? What is yours? What do, what do I do if I cannot be trusted and I cannot go first? The man paced the small, stark chamber in which she'd awakened. His eyes burned as he walked, reminding Zancha of Gix. She lowered her head when he stopped in front of her. He put his hand beneath her chin to raise it. Her instinct was to resist, to avoid those eyes as she had avoided the eyes of Gix, but he overcame her resistance. Her rescuer had a demon's strength. Oman Huzra, that is not a name. What is your name? In my dreams I am Zancha. The answer failed to please him. Fingers tightened on either side of her jaw. She closed her eyes, but that made no difference. The many-colored light from his eyes burnt like fire through her thoughts. Your mind is empty, Zancha, he said after an agonizing moment. The Phyrexians took it all away from you. He was wrong. Were it not for what the Phyrexians, Gix in particular, had done to her, Zancha was sure she would have died right then. She didn't correct her new companion, no more than she corrected Gix, and took no small satisfaction in the knowledge that the sanctuary she created, when Gix had confronted her, remained intact. What is my place? What is yours? she asked for the second time. What do you do? My place was Lord Protector of the Realm, and I failed to do what I should have done. You may call me Urza. There were images for the word Urza, hideous images. Zancha heard the voice of a teacher priest. If you meet Urza, destroy him. The man in front of her didn't resemble the image. Even if he had, Zancha would have denied the imperative. She wasn't about to destroy an enemy of Phyrexia. Urza, she repeated. Urza, I will show you what I know of the ambulators. Zancha tried to rise from her pallet, 
the ambulator had to be beyond the chamber's closed door. It was too large for the chamber itself. She got as far as her knees. In addition to feeling light, she was weak, but there were no marks on her body. Her wounds had healed. Sancha didn't understand. She'd been weak before, but never without wounds. Rest, Urza told her, offering her a corner of the blanket. You've been very sick. Many days, at least a month, have passed since I've brought you here, but not through any ambulator. I did, as you suggest, let the searcher get away. My error, Zancha. I did not suspect your ambulators, and seeing your kind on that other plane, I thought you had walked there, my grievous error. The emptiness between the planes is no place for a child without the necessary spark. You were less than a breath, less than a heartbeat from death before I got you here, which is not where I'd intended to bring you. Do not touch that door, he warned. Then, at an inspiration, and pointed his forefinger at it. The wood glowed and became dull gray stone like the rest of the chamber. The Phyrexians changed you, Zancha, and I could not undo their changes, but without what they did, you would not have lived long enough for me to do anything at all. This place is safe for you. It has air and a balance of heat and cold. Outside there is nothing. Your skin will freeze. Your blood will boil. Without the spark, you will not survive. Do you hear me, Zancha? Can your empty mind understand? Zancha had no sense of modesty, not soon after leaving Phyrexia, and the air in the chamber was comfortably warm. Yet she clutched the blanket tight around her naked flesh, the same as she clutched it a millennia later in a cold, dark cottage room while sleet pelted the roof overhead. Her empty mind never had a problem understanding Urza's words. It was the implications that often left her reeling. I understand, she assured Urza. This is my place, and I will remain here. But I do not know about months. I know days and seasons and years. What is a month? Urza closed his eyes and, after a dramatic sigh, told her about the many ways in which born folk measured time. Zancha told him that Phyrexia was a place where time went unmeasured. There was no sun by day nor stars by night. The first sphere sky was an unchanging, featureless gray. All the other spheres were nested within the first sphere. Gix had been dropped into a fumarole that descended into the seventh sphere. The ineffable dwelt in the ninth at Phyrexia's core. Interesting, Urza said. If you're telling the truth, I have heard the name Gix before on my own plane, where it was the name of a mountain god before the Phyrexians stole it. In fifty years of searching, I have heard the name Gix many times. I have heard the name Urza, too, and several that sound like Sancha. There are only so many sounds that our mouths can make, so many words, so many names. At best, language is confusion. If you are to be useful to me, you must never lie. Are you telling me the truth, child? She nodded and added, truthfully, I am not a child. The image was quite clear in her mind. The world for which she had been destined, the world which she had not gone, had children. Children are born, children grow. Phyrexians are decanted by vat priests and completed by the tender priests. When I was decanted, I was exactly as I am now. I was not completed, but I was never a child. Gix said he made me. Urza shook his head sadly. It is tempting, very tempting, to believe that there is only one Gix, but I have made that mistake before. It is just a sound, a similar sound, filled with lies. You do not remember what you were before Phyrexians claimed you, Zancha, and that is just as well. To remember what you had lost, he closed his eyes a moment. 
You would not be strong enough by your race. I'd say you were twelve, perhaps thirteen. He shook a thought out of his mind and began to pace. You were born, Zancha. Life is born, or it is not life. Not even the Phyrexians can change that. They steal, they corrupt, and they abominate. But they cannot create. You remember the decanting, and I'm grateful that you remember nothing before that, because I am certain that you were most horribly transformed. In my wanderings, I have seen men and women in many variations, but I have never seen one such of you who is neither. Urza continued pacing the small chamber. He wouldn't look at her, which was just as well. Zansha knew many words for madness and delusion, and they all described Urza. He had rescued her, saved her life, and he had strange powers, not merely in his glowing eyes, but an odd sort of passion that left her believing for a few distracted heartbeats that she had been born on the world at the bottom of her memories. Sancha ached in the missing places when Urza described her as neither man or woman. After Gick's exoration, while she'd hidden among the gremlins, she had opportunity to observe the differences between the two types of born folk, men and women. If Urza was right, she'd had even more reason to wage war against Phyrexia. But Urza had to be wrong. He didn't know Phyrexia. He'd never peeked into a vat to see the writhing shape of a half-grown newt. He'd never seen tender priests throwing buckets of rendered flesh into those vats. Meat sludge was the source of Zancha's memories. Meat sludge and Gix's ambition. Nothing had been taken from her. She was empty, as Urza had told her, filled with memories that weren't her own. Urza confirmed Zancha's self-judgment as he paced. Yes, it is better you don't remember. Better that your mind is empty and you have no imagination left that would fill it. Mishra knew what he had become, and it drove him mad. I will keep you, Zancha, and avenge your loss as I avenge my brother. You will stay here. Zancha didn't argue. She was in a chamber that had neither windows nor doors. Her companion was a man, demon, with glowing eyes. There was nothing at all to be gained by argument. Still, there was at least one question that had to be asked. May I eat? Urza stopped pacing. His eyes darkened to a mortal brown. You eat? You're Phyrexian. She shrugged and chose her words carefully. They didn't take that. I ate from a cauldron when I was in Phyrexia, but I, I scrounged when I was excavating. I can scrounge here if you'll show me where the living things are. Nothing lives here, Zancha. Urza muttered under his breath. His hands began to glow as his eyes had. He strode to the nearest wall and thrust his fingers in what appeared to be solid stone. The glow transferred to the stone. The chamber filled with the hot, acrid smells Zancha remembered from the furnaces. She eased backward, blindingly clutching the blanket, as if it could protect her. There was a hollow in the wall now, and a radiant mass seething in Urza's hands. Bread, Urza said when the seething mass had cooled. Zancha had scrounged bread on a few of the worlds the searcher priests had sent her to. The steaming loaf Urza handed her looked like bread and smelled a bit like bread, a bit more like overheated dust. Its taste was dusty, too, but she'd eaten worse, much worse, and gorged it without complaint. Do you want more? She didn't answer. Want was an empty notion. Newts didn't want. Newts took what they could, what was available, and waited for another opportunity, which might come soon or might not. Urza faded until he was a pale, translucent shadow, then he was gone. A heartbeat later, the chamber's light was gone, too. 
Every world Zancha had seen had spun to its own rhythms, and though she hadn't acquired an instinctive sense of day becoming night, she learned enough about time to be desperately afraid of the dark. She was ravenous when Urza finally returned, exhausted because she feared to close her eyes lest she sleep through his reappearance, and bleeding where she pinched herself to keep awake. Taking all her risk at once, Zancha sprang across the chamber. She clung ferociously to Urza's sleeve. I won't remain here. Bring back the door. Let me out or destroy me. Urza stared at her hands. I brought you something. Swallow it. And I can, as you say, bring back the door. He held out his free arm and opened his hand, which held a nearly transparent lump about half the size of her fist. Zancha had eaten worse meals in the feign of flesh, but she didn't think Urza was offering her supper. What is it? she asked, not letting go with either hand. Consider it a gift. I went back to the plain where I found you. The Phyrexians were careful to clean up after themselves, but I was more careful looking for them. This time I found a place where the soil had been transformed with black mana, much as you have been. So, I believe you, Zancha. You are almost what you say you are, almost a Phyrexian. You believe the lies they told because when they transformed you, they took your memory and your potential. You are a danger to others and to yourself, but not to me. I will unlock your secrets and find answers I need for my vengeance. I'll help, Zancha agreed. She'd agreed to anything to get out of the chamber. After that, after that would take care of itself. Letting go of a sleeve with one hand, but not the other, she reached for the lump. Urza swung it beyond her reach. You must understand, Zancha, as much as you can understand anything. This is not bred to be wolfed down like a starving animal. This is an artifact. When you swallow it, it will settle in your stomach and harden into a cyst, a sort of stone that will remain there for as long as you live. Then, whenever we travel between planes or dwell on a plane where you cannot otherwise survive, you will say a little rhyme that I shall teach you and yawn mightily at its end. The cyst will release an armor that will cover you completely to keep you alive. You will complete me? Urza glowered. Zancha felt him pursuing her thoughts, her suspicions about the cyst. He rummaged through her memories, yanking on them as if they were loose ends of a stubborn knot. Did he believe Ormond Huzra knew nothing about artifacts? She retreated into her private self. He sensed her escape. She saw the questions and displeasure on his face. Urza wasn't flesh, no more than Gix but he had the habits of flesh and all the subtlety of a freshly decanted newt. Like a rabbit flees into the brush, he said, and looked beyond the chamber. Tears leaked from Urza's eyes, especially his left eye. Then he shuddered, and the tear tracks vanished. No, I don't complete. That is an abomination. My artifact will be inside you, because that is the best place for it, but it is a tool. Nothing more, never a part of you. Never! I cannot erase the memories of Phyrexia from your mind, and would not because they will prove useful to my vengeance. But you are no longer Phyrexian. You must not think of Phyrexian abominations. Artifacts are tools, she recited, as she would have once recited to the teacher priests, a tool that she would swallow, but that would remain in her belly forever, but without becoming a part of her. It wasn't reasonable, but reason wasn't important to a Phyrexian, and she would be a Phyrexian forever. Urza let the lump flow into her hand. It was cold and clinging, Zancha's stomach churned in protest. Gagging, she lost her grip on Urza's sleeve and nearly dropped the artifact as well. Swallow it whole, don't chew on it! Waste not, want not, Zancha muttered. Waste not, want not. She raised her hand to her mouth and nearly fainted. She tried again, breathing out as she raised her hand. The artifact quivered and darkened. Then she closed her eyes and slurped it down without inhaling. 
It struck her in the throat. She slapped her hands over her lips, fighting the instinct to spit the lump across the chamber. For something that was only a tool, Urza's artifact felt alive as it oozed down Zancha's throat, got comfortable in her gut, and hardened into a stone. She was on her knees, banging her head on the floor when the horrifying process finally stopped. See? All over. Nothing to it. She rested her head on the floor another moment before pushing herself upright. I'm ready. Her voice felt different. The artifact had deposited a trail as it had moved down her throat. It still clung to her teeth and tongue. She coughed into her hand and studied drops of spittle that glistened briefly, then turned to white powder. Urza taught her the rhyme that would release the cyst's power. Pressure built in her gut as she repeated it. The yawn that followed was involuntary, and the sensation of an oily liquid surging from within, covering her completely within two heartbeats, would have driven her to hysteria if it had lasted for a third. Urza clutched her wrists. The cyst's liquid, her armor, tingled. He began to fade, and, looking down, Zancha saw herself fading as well. She'd barely begun to scream when her substance was restored, covered by clothing less fine than Urza's, but finer than the rags she had known all her life. Tempted to fondle the dark blue sleeve, she discovered it was an illusion, visible but intangible. Later, Urza assured her. Not long. I won't have a naked companion. Look upon this. Tell me, have you ever seen it like this before? Zancha gathered her wits. They stood on a bare rock plain. The sky was cloudless, pale blue. Light came from an intensely white sun, stars so high overhead that she thought she'd have been hot and sweating. Yet the plain was cold, the wind colder. She could hear the wind and see the dust it raised. When she thought about it, Zancha wasn't at all sure how she knew it was cold. With Urza's armor surrounding her, she felt nothing against her skin. The sensation, or lack of sensation, so intrigued her that Urza had to clear his throat twice before she saw the dragon. With that, pride evident in his voice, I shall destroy Phyrexia. The dragon was dead black in the sunlight. Zancha walked closer until she was certain that it was, indeed, made from a metal. Though even when she touched a pillar-like hind leg, she couldn't say which metal. It was bipedal in structure, and her head came barely to its bent knees. Its torso, as yet unfinished, was a maze of tanks and tubes. Naphtha, Urza explained before she asked her question. Phyrexians, the Phyrexians I mean to destroy are sleeked with oil. They burn. Zancha nodded, recalling the fourth sphere, lakes of slag and naphtha, and the screams that sometimes arose from them. Scaffolding struts extruded from the dragon's counterbalancing tail. She seized one. Urza warned her to be careful. She had no intention of being anything else, but he'd asked a question, and she meant to give him an honest answer. The cyst-made armor moved with her, however Zancha contorted herself, even hanging by one knee to get a better look at the claws on the dragon's somewhat short arms. If its arms were short, its teeth were long and varied. Sharp spikes, razor-edged wedges, rasps, and crushing anvils, all cunningly geared so that whoever sat in the Urza-sized gap between the dragon's shoulders could bring his best metal weapons to bear on a particular enemy if a gout of flaming naphtha proved insufficient to destroy them. More unfinished scaffolding rose above and behind the dragon's shoulders. Protection, she guessed, for Urza, but possibly he intended to finish his engine with wings. She judged it little more than half-finished and already heavier than anything she'd seen on the first sphere. Perhaps he'd concocted a more potent fuel than glistening oil. 
Zancha finished her exploration without finding the source of the engine's power. After dangling from the dragon's forearms, Zancha dropped three or four times her height. She was out of practice, hitting her chin on her knees as she absorbed the impact. Her up should have been a bloody mess. She was pleasantly impressed with Urza's gift. But as for his dragon... If you had a hundred of them... Her voice was definitely thicker, deeper and distant-sounding to her armor-plugged ears. You could take one of the fanes and hold it against the demons, but not against the ineffable. You don't appreciate what this is, Zancha. I have built a dragon ten times stronger than anything Mishra or I had during our misbegotten war. When it is finished, not even the Thran could stand against it. Zancha shrugged. She didn't know the Thran. It will have to be very powerful, then, when it is finished. You have to be blinded, Zancha, by what they did to you. But what you can't remember, but they are not as powerful as they made you believe. When my dragon is finished, when I found the rest of what I need... Found? Her scavenging curiosity had been aroused. You found this? You did not make it as you made the bread and tool? I found the materials, Zancha, and I shaped them to my needs to make a dragon like this, to make it as I made your bread. Even for me, it would be exhausting, and in the end... Urza lowered his voice. Not quite real. Zancha cocked her head. That bread filled your stomach and was nutritious. It would keep you alive, but you wouldn't thrive on it. At least, I don't think you would. When I was a man, I could not have thrived on it. Things that are made, whether they are made from nothing or something else, no matter how well made they are, aren't quite real. It's easier, better to start with something similar to what you want to have at the end and change it little by little. Complete it. Yes, Urza began, then stopped suddenly and stared harshly at her eyes a shimmer. No. Completion is a Phyrexian taint. Do not use that word. Only artifacts can be made. Everything else must be born, must live and grow. Zancha studied her companion with equal intensity, though her eyes, of course, could not sparkle. We were taught that the ineffable made Phyrexia. Lies, Zancha. They told you lies. I was told many lies, she agreed. Urza took her wrists again. Until now, he said, I have dwelt here beside my greatest artifact. But now that I have taken charge of you, I will have to have a dwelling in a more hospitable place. It is no great inconvenience. For every hospitable plane, there are several out-of-the-way planes such as this. While these planes have supplied me with the ores I needed for my dragon's bones, they aren't where power stones are to be found. Zancha had started to ask what a power stone was when her armor began to tingle, and Urza began to grow transparent in the stark sunlight. They were underway before Zancha could ask where they were going, and though she already guessed that her image for a world was the same as Urza's image for a plane, getting dragged from one world to the next with his hands clamped around her wrists was worse than sinking through the ambulators. Whether her eyes were closed or open, Zancha saw the same many-colored streaks whirling around her. Every sense, every perception was stretched to its opposite extreme and held there for what might have been a single moment or might have been eternity. The silence was deafening, the cold so intense she feared she'd melt, the vice-like pressure so great she feared she'd explode. And, to complete the experience, when Urza finally released Zancha, her clinging armor transformed abruptly into a layer of white paste. 
pushed past her limit, Zancha gave in to the panic and terror clawing the residue as she ran blindly away from Urza. She tripped, as was inevitable, and fell hard enough to knock the wind from her. Urza knelt and touched her. The armor residue was gone in an instant. I tested it on myself, he explained. He helped her to her feet and laid his hands on her scrapes and bruises, healing them with a gentle heat. Zancha had endured much in her unmeasured life, none of it gentle. She pulled away when she could and realized he'd brought her back to the place where she'd been beaten. Parting her lips, she tasted the air. The tang of glistening oil was faint, stale. They're gone, she said. And not long after I rescued you, the locals would not know the Phyrexians had ever been here. I would not have known if I had not found them first. This is the place, the very place where they brought you and where the last of them stood before leaving. Urza scuffed the ground with his boot. There was nothing visibly different, but movement released the scent of glistening oil in the air. It is a familiar place for you, isn't it? You lived here, found food here, conquered your nightmares, Zancha. The Phyrexians will not return. They are cowards, Zancha. They only prey upon the weak. They grasped my brother, but they never came to me. They know me, Zancha, and they will not return. This will be the place where you can dwell while I complete my dragon. The place where you can lay out your wretched memories for my understanding. Zancha tried to understand her new companion and failed. He was wrong, simply wrong about so many things, yet he had the power to walk between worlds. No Phyrexian, not even a demon like Gix could do that. Urza did not give orders, not in a Phyrexian sense. Still, Zancha had no alternative but to obey him, as she obeyed Gix, silently and without grace. She started up the path to the caves. Where are you going? Let him haul her back. He had that power, or let him follow, which he did. The cave was sealed, of course, and carefully, with stones, dirt, and plant life. The locals, as Urza had called them, wouldn't know the treasures of their ancestors had been plundered, but Zancha knew. She began pulling weeds and hurling dirt with her bare hands. Urza intervened. Child, what are you doing? I'm not a child, she reminded him. They brought me here to extract an army. If it's gone, then you may be right that no Phyrexian will return. If it's not, Zancha went back to work. You'll be digging forever, Urza pulled her aside. There are better ways. For a moment, Urza stood stock still with his eyes closed. When he opened them, they blazed with crimson light. A swirling cloud about twice his height bloomed in the air before the cave's sealed mouth. He spoke a single word whose meaning, if it had any, Zancha didn't know, and the cloud rooted itself where she had been digging. Fascinated, Zancha attempted to put her hand in the small, bright windstorm. Urza touched her arm. She could not move. We will come back tomorrow and see what is to be seen. Meanwhile, we will find food. It has been too long since I have enjoyed a meal, and you will begin telling me everything you remember. Urza took Zancha's wrists and pulled her into the between worlds before she could recite her armor-releasing rhyme. The journey lasted less than a heartbeat, less than an airless breath. They emerged in what Urza called a town, where Zancha found herself surrounded by born folk, all flesh, like her, all different, too, and chattering a language she couldn't understand. He took her to an inn, gave orders in the born folk language, told her to sit in a chair, as he did, to drink from a cup and to use a knife and fork, rather than her fingers when she ate. It was difficult, but Urza was adamant. Zancha ate until the knife, at least, was comfortable in her hands. Later, there was music, exactly as Zancha had dreamed it would be, and dancing, which she would have joined if Urza had not said, Too soon, child. Your eyes are open, but you do not truly see. When the music and dancing had ended, 
Urza led her from the inn to the night and through the between worlds to the forest. He was gone when Zancho awoke, long after sunrise. The scent of glistening oil was stronger, wafting down from the cave. She remembered the knife and wished she still had it in her hand, even though it would have been useless against a Phyrexian or Urza. Urza was inside the cave, and so were most of the artifacts. Tiptoeing to the brink of an excavation trench, Zancho watched Urza dismantle one of the insect warriors. He was faster and more powerful. When its mandible claws closed over his ankle, they shattered. Antenna whips burned and melted when they touched his face. Perhaps one dragon would be enough. If it was Urza's dragon, with Urza sitting between its shoulders, Zancho cleared her throat. They're coming back. They wouldn't have left all this behind. Waste not, want not. That's our way. Urza leapt into the air and hovered in front of her. The Phyrexian way is not your way, Zancho. Not anymore. But otherwise, yes, I believe you're right. I'm ready for them tomorrow. Though, let us hope it isn't so soon. With time to study these automata, I'll be more than ready for them, Zancha. These could almost be Thran designed. They're, they're pure artifice, no sentience at all, but perfectly adaptive. Look! He held up a pearlescent ring. A power stone that isn't a power stone. There's water in here. Light and simple mana, the essence of all things. I shall call it a floton as it burns without consuming itself. It will give me power for my dragon. More power than I ever dreamed. I shall redesign it. Vengeance, Zancha. I shall take vengeance for both of us. When the Phyrexians return, I will destroy them and pursue them all the way back to Phyrexia itself. <laughs>